0: Hey, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 24. I'm going to come back to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, in just a moment. Now, this is the last part of the Daniel series. This is part uh, 8. Uh, so, w- we've seen the great stories of Daniel. It's, you know, the Lion's Den, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're all on our Uh, A website or on the app you can get those And let me tell you it's just been a very timely book uh, For the the season that we live in And there's something that I want you to remember As we kind of wrap up Daniel this morning There's one kind of overriding thing Daniel never gives up He never gives up His life did not go like he had it planned All right, He lived 60 to 70 years in captivity Okay Taken to Babylon as a teenager, that was not his plan. But even in the midst of captivity, he never gave up. He always stayed faithful to God. And I just want to tell you that this morning. If you feel like your life's going astray, you don't like the season that you are in, you just stay faithful to God. You just stay faithful in the season that you are at. Don't make rash decisions because you're uncomfortable. Daniel, man, he had a terrible thing that happened to him. But he just stayed faithful over the course of his life. And God used him in a powerful way. And there are very few people that you can just say their name And it makes reference to them, and Daniel is one of those, all right? Or some of the exploits and stories, so just just keep that in mind. Now, the last five chapters of Daniel, you may be going, why are we in Matthew? The last five chapters of Daniel are about Daniel's prophetic dreams, okay? About end times, last days kind of dreams. Now, I want you to read that and study that, okay? Those dreams are heavily symbolic, you know, and it's kind of... Tough to kind of walk through those, those dreams a little bit, which is, makes, is why Bible prophecy sometimes is difficult to understand because they are in, with dreams and visions that are heavily, you know, kind of heavily symbolic. So Daniel, if you start reading, I think it's in uh, uh, chapter 9, he sees a vision on his bed. God starts showing him visions and dreams. And he said, this vision terrified me to the point I couldn't even, I couldn't even sleep. So Daniel has three or four successive dreams in those last several chapters that talk about the end of time, last days. Those are terms that Daniel uses, that the angel says this, this will happen at the you know at the end of time. In one of the dreams, there is something that occurs that is so significant that even Jesus makes reference to it in Matthew chapter 24. Here's the passage. It says, So when you see standing in the holy place, place the abomination that causes desolation spoken through the prophet Daniel okay so even jesus recognizes the significance of daniel's dream and the prophetic you know the prophetic influence that he had and he even makes reference to to daniel's dream that we're going to talk about a little bit this morning so daniel's dreams were about very specific things that occurred you know, at the, at the end of time, at the time of, of Christ's return, okay? So it, it's kind of like, it's hard to communicate that, just those specific things. It's like seeing a family picture and only talking about one person, okay? So this morning, I'm going to take Daniel's dream, the specificity of it, but I'm going to back it back out and talk about the big picture of what Daniel saw in the big picture of biblical prophecy this morning and future events. So, if you're this is your first message in this series, you need to kind of get caught up. Watch some of those previous messages. So, let's 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 just go to the time of Jesus. Now, when Jesus is walking on the earth and he's living, he starts very casually. He starts referencing his return. He starts talking about a day that he wants be there anymore, but he is he is coming back. Luke 12, he says, the son of man is coming at an hour that you don't even expect. Hmm, What does that mean if you're the disciples? John 14, he says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Then he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and receive you and where I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you where I was at. Okay, so he just started saying these kind of things randomly to the disciples and then one day they really pin him down about what he means. So that's Matthew 24. I'm going to make reference to to parts of Matthew 24. You need to read that entire chapter, okay? That's a good Bible study uh, for you today. So here's what they, Matthew 24, 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him. He'd been talking all about his coming, but they really tried to pin it down. They said, tell us when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So he's casually talking about it, but then he's, they say, hey, what, what, what do you mean? What's the world going to look like when all of this occurs, okay? So Jesus responds to this, and he gives them seven signs, seven things that will be happening in the world about the time of his return. I'm going to go over them real quickly. Some of them... I'm, I'm going to make a few comments on some of them. Someone's just going to, to read over and give you, give you those particular signs. So, he's giving you what the world is going to look like in the context of his return. Number one, if you read the entire chapter, increased anti-Semitism, persecution against Israel, and a coming world war. Okay, now you see that. Now, let me just back up really quick. God made a covenant. In Genesis, with the with the, the people, the Hebrews. He gave them also this land. He made a covenant with them. And Israel is the only nation on earth that inhabits the same land, bears the same name, speaks the same language, and worships the same God that it did thousands of years ago. It's truly. A holy land, okay? And as, and as small as it is in, in, in population and land mass, it still plays a central role. You know, it played a central role in the Bible. It plays a central role in the, the news cycle. And Israel will play a central role in the prophetic and the future events that happen in this world. Now, listen. You can look back over the life of Jewish people, they are the most persecuted people ever. I mean it started not long after the covenant with Abraham. They were in captivity in Egypt for 400 years and it marched its way all the way to the Holocaust that we saw in World War II. So there, there has always been this, this animosity toward Israel and, and the Jewish people, you know, and the, and the Jewish people as well. The Jews are the most persecuted people, the Jewish people, the most persecuted ethnicity in the world right now. Why is that? I wonder why that is. So that's one sign. Second sign, spiritual deception. In confusion, Jesus says, "Watch that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and and will deceive many. Many false prophets will appear, and they will deceive many people. So, when the the, the context of when he comes back, there's going to be." A lot of thing, a lot of spiritual confusion happening. People questioning the exclusivity of Christ, and I wanna, I wanna tell you, they'll be promoting a crossless, Christless Christianity. You need to listen to the message. I need to listen to the message last week, but I want you to know there is no such thing as a crossless, Christless Christianity or salvation. But there'll be questioning the exclusivity of Christ. You'll see this uh, where you just need to be a moral person. You just need to be a spiritual person. And they'll just, you know, that's, that's sufficient. You'll see the rise of false religions, especially the Eastern religions. Buddhism, Hinduism, mysticism. It's already occurring in this world, but you'll see it in a greater way to cause confusion to people. And... You'll watch miraculous things happen. You know, the Bible says in the last days there'll be lying signs and wonders. And if people live their life going, man, if it's a miracle, then it must be of God, you've got to watch that kind of stuff. So there's going to be all kinds of spiritual, spiritual confusion, uh, questioning the exclusivity of tri- Christ, of foreign, you know, foreign Eastern religions, uh, this personal spirituality, those kind of things. You need to watch it. He says also, there'll be wars, fear about wars, and escalating conflicts. Another sign, there'll be famines, earthquakes, and pestilence in various places on the earth. Another sign, persecution, intimidation, and the death of Christians. In verse 9, he says, you'll be handed over to be persecuted, to be put to death, and you'll be hated of all nations because of me. The BBC, the British Broadcasting Company, last year said that Christian persecution is at near genocide levels. Christians all around the world are the most persecuted religion and I'm telling you we are seeing that come about now. I mentioned it last week. The new arena of conflict is going to be the workplace. You need to listen to that message last week. There's going to be persecution of the local church. They are going to brand the gospel as hate speech and intolerant and, and bigoted, social media, they will go over all of our social media posts and determine if something is out of line or it's hated or, 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 or with hate speech or it's bigoted. Also, the national media, which will be part of this, they will be beating the drum of persecution of believers and and the local church. Now, let me just say, We've got brothers and sisters all around the world, you know, that are facing persecution. We're starting to feel that just a little bit, but I want to ask you why. Why are Christians the most persecuted religion around the world? Why why is Israel and the Jewish people the most persecuted religion and Christians as well? I I think we can kind of piece that together. Another sign of his return. He says a cold, drifting, loveless church and nation. Because of the increase of wickedness, he says, the love of many will grow cold. But one who stands firm to the end will, will be saved. So there are things in the church that are going to to happen as a a cold, loveless church happens. Rejection of biblical truth, shrinking church attendance, ungodliness in the lives of believers, and a national moral decline in, in the nation. He said that's going to be part of the end times as they happen. And I want to just say something else. We're seeing on the horizon, lawlessness, okay? Not legitimate protest, not legitimate pe- uh, protest, but we're seeing this lawless, godless generation, you know, arise. Second Timothy talks about this. It says, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, he said, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. He said this is going to mark the generation that is living in the last days. Okay, it kind of goes right with this. The last sign is the publication of the gospel, access to the gospel, fruitful missionary and church planting worldwide. In the midst of this backdrop, man, the church world and the and the Holy Spirit is is launching to see people come at this end time harvest. So those are the seven kind of characteristics that Jesus said would be going on in the world about the time of his return. So my question to you this morning, are those seven signs, do they run counter to what you see in the world? Okay. When you, when you hear these signs, do you look on the news and see in our world and go, wow, that doesn't match. That, does, that doesn't match. Do you sense the world getting any kinder, more peaceful working together you know more tolerant political parties working together you you kind of see and sense and that's that's your choice you may see those signs and go that's not the world that I see okay and that that would be your choice but I think the picture that Jesus painted of the time of his return is not far from the world that we live in now okay it's not far from the world in we live in now so, What does the day of Jesus' return look like? Okay, He said He's coming. He said He's coming. And I'm just telling you, there is a day that He's coming. He explains what that day is going to be like. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. And the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are alive and are left will be caught up together in the air with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So will we be with the Lord forever. Encourage one another uh, with these words. So what does what's happening on the day of His return? He just kind of lays it out. You know, kind of point by point. So, first of all, the Lord returns visibly. Every eye will see and with a loud command, okay? So, this moment is kind of like, do you remember the week of your wedding, okay? Was that not the slowest week ever in the history of time? It just took forever. And then, do you remember the day of your wedding, What happened to the clock on that particular day? I mean, you know, you wake up, your wedding's at 7, you wish you'd have made it at 10 a.m. I mean, it's just dragging along because there's part of your heart that just wants to be reunited with the one that you love. And I want to say it's the same for the groom who has been separated from the bride for thousands of years. There is a day that the bride says, today's wedding day. Today is wedding day, all right? And 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 he, he he appears visibly to everyone with a loud command. The second thing, there'll be a voice and instructions from a from an archangel almost like the second in command. He will he will speak something, give some command to uh, to this world. And then there'll be a loud trumpet blast, almost like a military call to attention that everyone will know kind of what's going on. And then the Bible says there are Believers in faith that have passed on, that have gone on. Abraham and Moses and Paul and Peter. How many of you have people in the faith that you've laid in the grave? He said at that moment, that trumpet blast, there's going to be something that's going to happen. And those old decayed bodies and they're going to rise to be with the Lord. And then he doesn't leave us out. He said we who are alive and remain will rise in the clouds to meet Christ And I just want you to know, for those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ and they have trusted what Romans said, the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. In that moment, that's our moment. That's our moment, all right? So what does that day look like? So you're just kind of going through your normal day, whatever that is. Whatever your normal day looks like. And you just think, man, it's just another day. But you were wrong. Because before the foundation of the world, on the calendar of heaven, this date was already written down. This date has already, you know, it's already been written down. And you're just going through your normal routine. You're at work, you're at home, whatever you do. And all of a sudden you hear a loud Voice. You might be outside and you may be able to see him. You might be inside and you may not really know what's going on, but you will hear a loud voice. Followed right after that, you will feel a trumpet blast. And when you hear that trumpet blast, something will happen to your body because of the gravity that has held you down on this earth from the beginning of time will begin to release. Your body as you have known it will slowly be transformed into a spiritual body. And in a flash, in a moment, man, you will be transferred, translated into the presence of God to live there for eternity. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians. He said, behold, I show you a mystery. He said, I'm going to explain something to you. He said, we're not all going to die. He said, but some of us, we're going to be changed. And he said, almost repeating himself, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that quick, at the last trump, the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable and we which are alive will be caught up together with him in the clouds to be with him forever. That's what he said. I'm ready for that day. Like a soldier snapping to attention. When we we hear that, you know, will be translated and into the presence of God. But the good thing is all around the world, in Africa, in Europe, in the Far East, and in those little house churches in China, and all throughout Central and South America, every language, every tribe, every tongue, it won't just be happening to me, but there'll be others who've called upon the name of the Lord that will experience that moment themselves. And we will realize we didn't just read about it. We were part of it. We were part of it. Now listen, if the Lord chooses the grave for me, that's fine. But it's going to be much more cooler to go in the return of Jesus, okay? I may have been preaching about it for long enough. I'd like to be a part of it, alright? That's what that day looks like. That's what that day's going to be like. And I just want to remind some of you that go, well, I know, it's in there. Listen. There's a day, there's a day that that's going to happen. If you believe all of other Jesus' words about your life, you got to believe there's a day that He's returning. There's a day that He's coming. What does the world look like immediately after His return? What happens in the world, you know, like, what, what's, what's the world going to be like an hour after the return of Jesus? Now, let me just say, the Bible tells us about this. All right. It says it sets off an unusual sequence of events. The first part of that lasts 7 years and it goes back into it goes back into Daniel's it goes back into Daniel's dream. So I just want you to imagine what the world looks like when let's just say a billion people are missing. They're just gone. Okay? All over the world. Every language, every country, government, officials, people of importance, they're just gone. What happens, you know, to to the world? Okay, the so there are a few things that the Bible tells us that is going to occur. And listen, if you have a chance, you need to jump in on Witt's class on Revelation. He's been talking about that. And I'm just taking that book and condensing it down and just to just a few things, but man, it really give some great explanation there. So what happens when a billion people wind up missing? Well, first of all, there's terror and fear that occur all throughout the world as they try to process what has happened, okay? Try to figure out what's going on. There'll be sorrow. People will be gone. There'll be fear. There'll be fear. You'll see the runs like you normally do, gas and Food. I mean, who thought there'd be a toilet paper, you know, shortage and, you know, with this going on. So this will, will cause great fear and people will react like they've always reacted when there, there are times that they're, you know, uh, that they can't explain. You'll see the news media trying to give some kind of, you know, explanation to this, but really, you know, they may have some... Answer, but really, you know, how would they explain a billion people that are missing? There'll be political uncertainty. We see that from the book of Revelation. Some countries will do martial law, there'll be politicians and judges. They're not really sure how to handle this, but we do know in this moment that a new world leader appears and signs a peace treaty at the at the very beginning of this with with Israel, because Israel plays a, a significant part of that. There are imminent wars. Jesus said this is part of the lead up to the time of Christ but we know from the book of Revelation that there's there's a moment that war begins to just break out lots of people lose their lots of people lose their lives so the belief is once this occurs there will be some of these leaders and countries that will try to take advantage you know of of this particular moment and you know war will break out economic distress will occur read from the the book of revelation you know you'll 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 see you know almost we're almost leaning into a depression now but you'll see that happen worldwide you know the financial markets will not know how to respond to what's you know to what's going on so be worldwide economic distress the church and its influence will be absent from that moment okay the church that's always been there through every disaster to pray for people. The church that passes out food to the hungry. The, the church that goes and cleans up disasters. The church, won't, the church won't be there. Its influence in the world, you know, will uh, will will not be there. And there'll be some of you, there'll be some of you that have just kind of played this game about your relationship with God. There's gonna be a very sick feeling in your heart at that moment when you see. You call the church. There's nobody here. Hopefully, there's nobody here. Okay. You're you're going back on YouTube, trying to look at a sermon from Daniel, maybe to give you some inspiration and and, and some hope. The, the the church, you know, and its influence, you know, is is absent. Okay. And 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 then the last part of this, and and this is the the part where Daniel really kind of spells this out that I'm only spending just a few moments on this is the start of a seven period, seven year period of judgment on the unbelieving the world on the unbelieving world with the rise of a new world leader and a world war against Israel okay that's really Daniel's focus is that okay so that's what the world looks like in the aftermath of Jesus worship team you guys can come all right so everyone at some point in their lives, goes, you know, how does the world end? How does it, how does it end? How does civilization as we know end? Is it climate change that will ultimately get us a natural disaster, a virus, nuclear war? You know, those are some of the, the common answers. But the Bible tells you, the Bible gives you the snapshot of what the world is leading into before His return and i'll say again if you feel like the world is running counter to the picture that jesus painted in the context of return then that that's fine that's fine you know many may not agree with that you know many would may not agree with that so what what do you do what do you do paul gives us a word paul gives us a word for us who are living in this moment okay it says for the grace of god has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Not a time to compromise. Not a time to have spiritual shortcuts in your life. He said he's calling you to purity. Okay, so I'm going to... No to ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all in wickedness and to purify himself a people who are his very own. Okay? So he says to us, this is not a time. To kind of drift, anyone, I just want to say, this is not a time, if you're away from God this morning, if you're not where you should be this morning, the picture that Jesus paints, I'm just telling you, is not far from the world that He talks about when His return is coming. I want to remind this church, Jesus is coming. With, a, with a, any kind of certainty that I've ever preached anything to you, Jesus is coming. There's a day that He's coming. And man, we're living in an hour when we see the the huge movements of biblical prophecy. I don't know when he's coming, but I'm just telling you, there are things that are converging and that are moving and that we are watching right before our eyes. Jesus is coming. We need to get our hearts ready. To the church world, we need to be ready. We need to do what we can. With the moment that God's give us, and the within the constraints that we have to to lean in and make an impact on this world, all right, the Old Testament shouted prophecies of His first return, gave all kinds of hints of what the world would look like, even told the city that He was going to be born in, even mentioned that He's going to be born of a virgin. All those prophetic clues and most people missed it and I want to say it's the same thing that's happening here today there are all kinds of prophetic clues and prophetic warnings about his return and man we don't need to let this pass us by we need to know that it's coming as soon I don't know when but I'm just telling you things are lining up things are lining up it's unusual uncanny what we are seeing in the world. There is something about 2020 that just changed. And I'm telling you, we're not through yet. We're not through. We've got a presidential election that is coming. We are still on the back end of this, this virus. Things are still kind of moving. God is awakening. God is trying to get, get people's attention today. So I just want to remind you. I just want to remind you, Jesus is coming. He's coming. Can we just take a moment and just praise Him? Lord, we look forward to your coming. Lord, it's like your wedding day. Lord, we've, we've read about you. Lord, we've seen you from a distance. But Lord, we're ready for your return. Lord, your bride, your church. Lord, we're ready. Lord, we're ready for you to come and, and gather us into your presence from all of eternity. Lord, we're ready for that moment that you take us from this world of strife and pain into the presence of God. Lord, we worship you this morning. We praise you. We praise you this morning, Lord. We praise you this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to remind you, that if you're away from God, if you're away from God, there's any kind of compromise in your life, this moment needs to purify your thinking. That's what Titus said. Let this moment get your attention and move you into commitment and ungodliness. He said, when you see these things, it ought to change your behavior. It ought to make you wake up. Some of you need to wake up. God's been trying to warn you. He's been knocking on your door. And you continue to sleep. He says, this moment, you need to wake up and turn and come back to God. That's what we need. Would you stand with us this morning? Would you stand with us? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray. I pray today. Lord, I pray. Lord, get your body ready. Get your bride ready. Lord, I pray. Lord, in the midst of all the things that you laid out, Lord, we're not fearful. You told us not to be fearful. You told us don't fear. Don't be fearful. Because, Lord, there's work to do. There's work to do. In an adverse circumstance, there's work to do. Lord, I pray over the church. Lord, I pray over the the, the church world. Lord, let it be filled with your power and your presence. Lord, let us do something powerful in this moment, in adverse circumstances. Lord, let us do that. Let us move out. Let us walk. Lord, I pray for those that are away from God. If that's you this morning, if that's you, if you're not where you should be with the Lord, would you just pray a simple prayer? Just say, Lord, I want to come back. Lord, I'm away from you. Lord, forgive my sin. Lord, I need to make my heart right with you. Any kind of simple prayer there, God will honor. Lord, I want to serve you. I, I, I turn from my old life. I want to come to the mercy and grace of God. Lord, I want to live for you. Pray that prayer. If you're watching live, pray that prayer. I believe God's going to save people. Bring the prodigals back this morning. This is an hour that we live. This is the hour that we live. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you bow your heads with me this morning. Would you bow your heads if you're with me. If you're watching online. And if God's speaking to you, if you're away from the Lord this morning, this is your day of mercy and grace. If you're here listening to me live this morning, if you're away from God this morning and you just say, Pastor, I'm not where I should be in my walk. And I just want you to pray for me this morning. Would you just raise your hand up and down really quick. Say, Pastor, I'm not where I should be. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. If you're online, man, you can message us. Send us an email. You can just go pray for me. We'll respond back for you if you're listening and you're away from God. Today's the day of salvation. Today's not the day of delay. We don't live in that season anymore. Today's the day that we need to make make commitments about our walk with God and live for him. Let let his return purify our heart and change the way that we live. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, I pray for those that raise their hand. I pray for those watching me this morning, Lord, who are away from you. They are prodigals. They've walked away from the church. They've been hurt, whatever reason. But, Lord, today is the day of mercy. Today is the day of forgiveness. And, Lord, I pray that you'll grant that prayer, Lord, with the wonderful grace of Jesus. Lord, I pray your blessing upon them. Lord, I pray that they'll find a sweet experience with their Lord this morning. Lord, I just give you thanks. I give you thanks in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.